Good morning, sir. Hey, everybody. Good morning. What up? Who's having a good morning? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. Did we just wake you up, Tim? No, no. Skype was being dumb. I had to restart my computer. Oh, I hate that. Skype's a bitch. Oh, yeah. Skype is a C word. Cat. Uh, Cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew just goes straight for it, doesn't he? Stepping around it. Don't pussyfoot around this shit. Uh, <laughs> we have a we have an explicit label. Go for it. Actually, when we're actually on air, I probably won't. I have yeah, a morals clause in my week. contract. That's going to be his new tag, Andrew the Cunt Web. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to last week's episode. I'm like, I say fuck six times in this episode, and Aaron only says it once, and no one else cusses for the rest of the show. Let's well, go. We're running the family cast here, man. <laughs> I, I know I, I know I swore in the last episode. Did you? I was like, wow, I say fuck a lot in this episode. All right, let's see. Wonder Woman 607, do you guys have something to talk about with it? I don't really have anything new other than the same thing we've been saying all along. Incredible title. Yeah, that's basically keep we could keep pimping it, but No, I I think we can skip it this week. There's nothing nothing new to say. You guys should be buying this. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, all right, Silver Surfer number one. I, I, I really liked it. I'd talk about that. Yeah, it was good. I almost bought it, but I didn't. So close. That is going to be the the, uh, the quote on the trade, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I almost bought it, but I didn't. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm not awake enough for witty repartee. <laughs> so, so by all means, let's podcast. Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. And this is Andrew. Well, you know, we've had Andrew on the show a couple of times, and we decided time to pull the chair out for him. So uh, welcome as our regular fifth host, Andrew. You guys like me? You really, really like me? I thought we were pulling the chair out from Andrew. Like is really a strong word. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting in Jonathan's chair. We never liked him, so. Yeah, I was going to ask about this sticky stuff on this chair, actually. What, what is this stuff? <laughs> it's not so much a chair as it is a, a pillow on the floor. But... <laughs> I believe that it is genetic material. <laughs> Does this mean we can't afford pancakes again? Yeah, there's, your pancakes are out of the budget, Wayne. <laughs> I ruin everything, don't I? That's right. That's right. So, you know, last week when we recorded, it was my anniversary. And that evening, I took the wife out for dinner, and then we stopped for coffee afterwards. Sitting there in the Starbucks, this kid comes walking in, and he's like, Ah, is that your blue Honda out there? Like, (laughs) yes. Could you step outside for just a minute? I'm like, oh, crap. 
So I go outside, and there's this great big crunch in the passenger side of my uh, of my car. Now let's let's rewind. Brand new car, owned it less than two months. Have made exactly one payment on it so far, and it still has the dealer plates. And this little seventeen year old girl ran into it. She sent her boyfriend in to get me. So you know, I'm thankful that you know they they didn't just drive off. But I'm standing out there talking to this little teenage boy, and he's like, yeah, you know, she, my girlfriend, she hit your car. And I'm like, uh-huh, where's your girlfriend? And he's like, well, she's over there in her car having a panic attack. And I'm like, <laughs> uh-huh, I need her, her driver's license and her insurance. He's like, yeah, she's having a panic attack. I was like, is she going to get out of the car? Well, she's having a panic attack. And I just walk over to the car and I bang on her window. Get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to be a dick, but, you know. I want to get her driver's license and, and uh, insurance paperwork. And so she comes out. She's all, you know, oh, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. I, hit your car. I didn't mean to hit your car. I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, can I just get your driver's license? And, and she's hyperventilating and whatnot. And I'm like, look, if I can get your driver's license and insurance, you can leave. And so she's digging it out of her purse. And she's got one of those, you know, great big Felix the Cat purses that, you know, you can stick your whole arm in down to the shoulder. And she's trying to find her, her paperwork. Well, the teenage boy is at the back of her car going, well, her bumper's really messed up. And I turn around and look at him like, dude, I really don't give a shit about your bumper. <laughs> <laughs> I really just want your driver's license and insurance. <sighs> ah, it was a good night. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Ian. Yeah, exactly. Just knows instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that, that kind of sucked. I'm honestly impressed they came in and got you. I am too. Actually, I, I am very impressed. And I, I did try to limit my uh, irritation and dickishness because I was very thankful that they did. And that she actually had insurance, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was actually pleased by that. So Because so many times in parking lots, man, they just drive off. Yeah, just gone. You know, yep. look over both shoulders, make sure nobody's watching and out. Yep. So. Well, I had an interesting run in last night at my local Barnes & Noble. Uh, I had gone by to pick up uh, a few things, get my coffee, because, you know, it's 9 o'clock at night, so I need coffee. And uh, as I'm perusing the aisles, I hear this loud, loud voice yelling, I'm like, what is going on? So I kind of wander over, and there's this guy, maybe 6'2", I'm going to say about 400, 350, 400 pounds, yelling, yelling at this lady who works there. Who works probably, there is probably... You know, five, three, 90 pounds. And he's going off on her uh, about how there are four stands of Christian books and nothing about the other 93 world religions. <laughs> and he yells at her and he yells at her and he yells at her, he yells at her for about, about 10 minutes that I was there. Wow. And finally, she gets him out the door. And, you know, they were just obviously kind of shaken by this whole event because who wants some guy yelling at you about being a uh ethnocentrist and trying to brainwash the masses with your christian literature which this guy was doing right and uh it was just horrible why, why i don't understand why people act like that so i went over afterwards told them that you know they shouldn't let him get to him they had a great store and he was just obviously had a chip on his shoulder I love that there's probably a whole store full of people that no one stood up to the guy yelling and screaming. Well, he wasn't quite to the point where you would think you'd have to step in. He wasn't yelling at the top of his lungs. But I didn't wander over. I was I was one row behind them just just in case it got it escalated any further. But 
Yeah, it was bad. Back when I used to work in advertising, uh, it was a Swiss-owned organization, and uh, the partners had this guy that they really liked. He was like like a friend of theirs from back when they lived in Switzerland, and so they brought him over, and he worked for us. And one day, um, he was in there just screaming at our accountant, you know, this this lady, and just I mean, just just screaming at her. I don't even know about what. He was just so pissed off. And you know, she's just sitting there, just being completely beaten down by his verbal assault. And it, the her uh, desk was out there on the shop floor where you know they made all the signs and whatnot. And so everybody's hearing this, you know. So there's like you know half a dozen people there who are hearing him verbally berate her. And I finally just say, yelling at a girl, and the shop is just silent. And he just just starts trembling he's so angry with me and storms out and never came back <laughs> wow yeah never came back you yeah know, that's oh go ahead sorry paul i was gonna say none of these stories you know every time you guys start talking you're like so i was in barnes and noble last night i was in starbucks last week i expected to go and someone walked up to me and said hey are you aaron from funny books with aaron and polly none of these stories <laughs> hey are you andrew the new host of funny books with aaron and polly <laughs> None of this shit happens. <laughs> well, I'm sure know, that'll, that'll be I, next week. I do try to keep my entourage around me so that I don't actually have to talk to the people. To the pe- yeah. You only have to talk to that person because they actually hit your car. I've actually <laughs> had those conversations, though, Paul, but it's never, it's never out anywhere like that. Like Gen yeah. Con, a lot of people lot approach, of people me, approach and talk to me and talk about funny books. Well, the thing is, since I use a lot of different, a lot names, of different names, no one ever puts my real name to go to all the names I use online. So... We're going to start using your real name on the show? Are, are we going to call you Jim Brown, Winjen, Io and Tali? What are we going to call oh. you? Well, well, my real name is Jeremiah Umbutu, but I don't know if that really <laughs> I think we're just going to give him Jonathan's old nickname. He's going to be Princess. Cheer up, Princess. We've got comics to talk about. Do we have comics? We've got a lot of comics. You know who has comics they haven't paid for? Borders <laughs> does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's I've I saw the news articles hit about that this week. You know, Borders filing Chapter Eleven, and you know, at first I didn't think there's going to be any connection to comics at all, but apparently Borders owes a lot of money to Diamond. Like we're talking over a million dollars to Diamond that Diamond will never see now. Like a company of that size, I I don't know how they can take a financial hit like this. Well, shame on Diamond for letting it get that out of hand. I mean, they should have cut them off a long time ago. The handwriting's been on the wall for Borders for a while. I mean, I just I mean, wish I there was Borders near me so I could uh, cash in on some of these crazy sales they have as they go out of business. You know, so I did do the Borders, you know, vulture run yesterday. I went out and I looked up online. All the Borders near me actually are doing really well. They're not any of the ones that were shut down. So we had to drive quite a ways to find one that was shutting down. And as we go in, we're uh, my wife's looking for a couple books. We're looking around, and you know, I see what I this see what is shutting place. down. This was the worst the borders worst I've ever been ever in. been in. They've got They've nothing. Got the authors they have, they have in three or four different places. They can't seem to keep them organized, them organized at all. The store was almost empty. The workers were completely unhelpful. They just wanted they to just stand around and talk to each other. Well, that that's <laughs> fair. I mean, they're going out of business. They're losing their jobs. Yeah. How how motivated are they? But yeah, walking through the store, I see why that one's going out of business, and the one next, the to, one me next is, to me is yeah. they deserve to go out of business with, uh, you know, it's just a shoddy store like that. I hate to see bookstores going out of business. It just breaks my heart. Yeah, I do too. That's why I was so glad to see the borders near me are staying open. I mean, 
out of all of them in the St. Louis the area, everyone around, everyone around me is still, open. still open. Well, the borders in my area uh, opened up a couple of years ago, a block away from the first Barnes and Noble in the area, the first and kind of the the most popular Barnes and Noble in like this Hampton Roads uh, area, and they opened up a block away from it. And I'm like, you know, this just seems kind of stupid. But Borders was newer, and it was kind of cool. And uh, it's shutting down, and it's right in the middle of a mall. And I'm like, you know, there's going to be a big freaking empty place in this mall. And, you know, it's, it's I mean, bookstore size. What's going to fill it? Is it going to be like, for, are they going to put a Forever 21 in there? Because that's going to suck. You know, we've got a mall near me that used to be the big mall big in the area to all the others. Oh, just just remodeled, I guess. So this place is completely empty. All the big stores are gone, gone. and they've turned and they've it turned into an art gallery. So people buy out the yeah, what used the to be the shops, shop. and they only open when they organize for people to come in. But one section of that, they're trying to put together an area of all, all anime and comic book comic and game book. stores. They want to make a geek mecca right there in the end of this mall, right by the movie theater. Which mall is this, Wayne? Crestwood. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Now I know what to do with that uh, Borders that's closing down. I'm going to turn it into a geek mecca. I was thinking maybe you could turn it into a record store. A brothel. <laughs> strippers? Ooh, strippers. I like strippers. Strippers go with the geek mecca. I mean, that's right. Yeah. I hope it works. I like the idea of a geek mecca. Right now they've got a video game store. They've got an anime store. And they've, they're in works. You know, They're in talks trying to get a comic book store in there as well. You know, if the record store idea doesn't work, Aaron, you could turn it into a disco. Disc- Ooh, I like that, too. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Because they're all tracks. cash cows, yeah. It's a, you can make it a gateway store, Aaron. Those always seem to go so those, well. Yeah, those always do very well, yeah. Sell gateway computers, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Go, go, well, go with that. Well, and once these, these game stores are open at this Geek Mecca, maybe they're going to start, start stocking these new uh, Telltale games that are being developed. In theory, I don't know if you guys have read this, but uh, Telltale Games, who's the company, um, they did uh, video games based on the Bone series. Uh, they're basically ex-LucasArts guys, guys who got pissed off when LucasArts said, you know what, we're just going to concentrate on Star Wars games. And these are the guys who did games like uh, you know, Day of the Tentacle, Maniac Mansion. Um, Drawing know, beds game for awesome people. Yeah. So... They, they, you know, they, they decided, you know what, we like our point-and-click games, our adventure games, things like that. So they, they went and formed their own thing. Uh, so they got the rights to Sam and Max. They did some Sam and Max games. And now they've announced, um, they just recently released Back to the Future games. They are going to make Walking Dead games and Fables video games. Um, now, they're fully de- – now, this company pretty like, much makes downloadable. Fables, the Vertigo comic? Yes. Wow. Wow. Now, I'd imagine both of those would – I don't know. I mean, I'd imagine – both of them would probably be point and click since that's kind of their mo. But yeah, yeah. they're very good at it. Has anyone has anyone other games? Yeah, I've played uh, the Sam and Max and the Bone games. I mean, it's you know the if for for those who remember the classic LucasArts stuff, it's the same type of stuff that I loved when I was growing up. I mean, they they made pretty much all the games for the Homestar Runner website. I I enjoy most of those. I've done the Strong Bad games. I really enjoyed the Bone game. Yeah, so, you know, um, Walking Dead seems like a pretty cool, you know, I mean, Walking Dead, now that they've got the TV show, they've got action figures coming out, and now they have a Walking Dead video game. In Walking Dead, though, somewhat seems a little bit darker than most of the things that Telltale's done in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can get a two-pack with Bone and Walking Dead. <laughs> I wonder if they'll I wonder try if to get it on the Wii. 
because their games, because they're point and click, work very well when they adapt them. The uh, the strong bad games they have out on the Wii. I just I'm curious as to how Walking Dead would work as a point and click game. Yeah, see, when you see, that, I kind of wondered if it's actually going to be point and click, click. Yeah, I mean, they may venture out from their normal, you know, their normal genre for it. Because, I mean, it's a zombie game, right? I mean, you you kind of have to, you can't, like, point and click while you're, you know, chopping up a zombie. That doesn't seem very exciting to me. I I mean, I think Walking Walking Dead Dreams, third-person survival horror video game to me. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know if, you know, that's already, that genre's already played itself out with games like Dead Rising and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, maybe it, it won't focus on the up. zombies. Maybe it'll focus on the the interactions between the people. Ah, I don't watch zombie films for people. <laughs> they al- they also have a Jurassic Park game coming out in April that looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, and coming out in May is uh, the new Thor movie. Yeah, we can play it at our new Geek Mecca in the movie theater section. <laughs> we can sell bootlegs of it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Keep those under the table under the under the cloth. Yeah, you have to pay in cash only. That's right. right. <laughs> well, the new Thor well, trailer came out this week. Yeah. What'd you, What'd guys, you guys think? think? <laughs> I think Andrew and I are echoing each other. <laughs> I think so. Spooky. Yo, me a Coke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say, I think it's the best trailer so far. I think I'm at that point now with Thor, though, that I want to stop seeing trailers. Because I, I think they're showing me too much cool stuff from the movie. I mean, I'm excited about this movie that they've already convinced me, so I'm going to stop watching Thor trailers. Uh, I'm going to stop posting them on the site then. Yeah, please do. Please, please do. Asshole. If you could just, you know, post, uh, you know, trailers for the next Julia Roberts movie, that'd be fine. Fast Five. I'm just going to post trailers for Fast Five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tim what, seems excited about that. What's got me particularly jazzed about the Thor movie is the fact that the Destroyer is in the. movie. Which means that I will likely be getting a Destroyer action figure, and I'm I'm pretty damn excited about that. Do they not have a Destroyer action figure currently? Oh, they may, but you know, uh, it's if they've got it, it's one of those limited edition runs. So, looking forward you to. Know, it. Interesting is uh, have you guys seen the Toy Fair pictures of all the Thor toys? I have not. Nope. No. So, you know, Toy Fair happened last week, and, you know, they showed all the upcoming figures. That's where I saw the Walking Dead action figures, and, um, you, know, they, they've, you know, they show off all the action figures for all the upcoming movies, you know, trying to get people interested, licensing, things like that. Um, and they showed off the Captain America figures and the Thor figures, and in one of the Thor figure action packs, or, you know, like a multiple figure action pack, or action figure pack, I don't know, you know what I'm trying to say, had the Hulk in it. And I thought that was very interesting. The Hulk was packaged as a Thor movie action figure. I might read something into that, except they had, for the Iron Man one, they had all kinds of characters that were never in the movie packaged with the movie toys. Oh, uh, really? Well, because I got excited because in the Captain America action figures, they had the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's cool. Like, that's cool. Hmm. But, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, they could just be fucking with my head or something. And I'm sure they are. reason (laughs) yeah wow so i hadn't actually seen the new trailer until you guys started talking about it and i was watching it that looks incredible yeah it does look really good and it has natalie portman Mm. it's the first time i've seen the hammer on screen and it didn't look a little bit corny 
Yeah, like, I, it, back in his hand. It looks nice and weighty. You know, I, I like it. it. It, you know, it looks like it's going to hurt when it hits you. <laughs> <laughs> you Which know, is kind of my criteria. <laughs> yeah, a hammer has to hurt when it hits me. <laughs> exactly. Have you guys been seeing the? Uh, you know, the speaking of the the Thor hammer. Have you seen the the uh, teasers for Marvel's Fear itself event? Are you talking about like the the ads in the comics or something else? Uh, I think there are some in the comics, but the new ad campaign is uh, "Who Are the Worthy," uh. and it basically shows like heroes and villains fighting over, I think, four or five different versions of the Thor hammer. Like they have different oh. hammers, and like you know, heroes and villains kind of climbing over each other to get to them. So it's almost like this uh, fear itself event is going to involve. You know, multiple versions of the Thor hammer, or I don't know. I mean, because do other gods, my lack of familiarity, do other gods in the Marvel Universe have hammers? Well, you know, Hercules has that mace thing that he uses, you know, and uh, 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 I know that one of the Eternals has a, uh, you know, like a war hammer or a mace or something. But, uh, you know, as know, far as, as, as other depictions of the hammer similar to Thor's, I, I, don't, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think I are, see the ultimate hammer on there. I think uh, yeah, there's, the, there's five versions or five different hammers. One of them looks like a meat tenderizer. One looks kind of like the ultimate hammer. There's a round one. Round one. Yeah, Marvel's been uh, Marvel's been all about the teaser campaign. And Marvel's always kind of done the teaser things uh, better than DC. You know, they had the fear itself and they also had the first... Uh, they, they've been teasing Spider Island, and I'm probably – have you guys heard about this one either? Uh-uh. What is that? Do you guys look at the internet at all while you're at work like I do? Um, I do not. <laughs> no. We, as far as anyone knows while I'm recording, I'm recording on a mic, on a, no, I would never do that. Do that. <laughs> yeah, me I either. I, was I, don't let, I don't let things get ruined by the stupid this stupid Marvel. So, there. <laughs> Curmudgeon. So, uh, so what is this Spider Island, Paul? Spider Island. Um, well, in I think Amazing Spider-Man six fifty nine, they uh, they start a, a backup story called Infested, and apparently Infested leads to a big spider event, which I guess will run simultaneous with Fear itself, um, called Spider Island. And if you've uh, if you've seen any of the teaser art, it appears. That it's going to involve um, a bunch of people getting the powers of Spider-Man, which kind of, if you guys read Amazing Spider-Man 654.1 this week, it's kind of hinted at in the preview page at the back, where they show Mary Jane kind of having the powers of Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, when she's sticking on the wall. Yes. Yeah. Oh, spoilers on, by the way. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Dang it. Timmy. <laughs> Y'all don't wake Timmy up. <laughs> don't poke the sleeping bear that's right that's right fear itself ads that were in the books this week like that one with uh cyclops as magneto and it says you know do you fear what you've become that's an awfully neat image you know i thought that was in that one with odin you know uh standing over thor with his you know mighty spear gungunner you know pointing at his eye i just absolutely love that i don't think i love it enough to buy fear itself but uh, I, I think the, the, the ad pages are rather cool. Yeah, I know, the ad, I'm excited and ready to be disappointed. I mean, the ad, the ad pages, the ad are, pages beautiful, are beautiful. But, but how many issues is Fear itself going to be? 
I think it's seven or eight. Um, now, but also keep in mind that it does, in fact, if you look at some of the teaser art for Fear Itself, say Fear Itself Book One, not like Fear Itself Issue One. It's right. almost like Fear Itself is the seven issue series that's Book One of this longer thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like there's going to be Fear Itself, then Fear Itself Two, Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> Some Three, you know. The two we talked about the the Cyclops one and the Thor one. I think the two hardest hitting ones for me, the things that looked the coolest, was Captain, Captain America, America holding the broken shield shield for do you fear a loss of faith? And yeah. the Hulk one, where he's standing over standing the broken up. bodies of all the other heroes. And it's do you fear losing control? Yeah. 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 I, I wish he was kind of standing over the broken bodies of uh, you know, the other Hulks, the whole family, because <laughs> then maybe we get one Hulk coming out of fear itself. That would be OK with me. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So this week saw Amazing Spider-Man 654.1 advertised to be the awesome jumping on point to Amazing Spider-Man as, as a jumping on point. Not not so much. Yeah, same here. Um. You know, this is, and I got to, really? uh, let me preface this. I thought this was a really damn good issue, mm-hmm. but um, one thing, and I think this is the first point one we've talked about, um, uh, but the point one issues that I've read so far are not really, they're, they're kind of preaching to the choir mm-hmm. from what I've seen. And this is kind of the same thing. You know, it continues something we saw in, uh, you know, the story of Venom that started in last issue. But as far as bringing on new readers, I mean, there's not Spider-Man's in one panel of this book, not even in costume. Well, and that was my thing is that this was more a Venom point one than it was an Amazing Spider-Man point one. I love the story. I thought it was terrific. Enjoyed it from beginning to end. But it just seemed strange to me that it really wasn't a leaping on point to the the Amazing Spider-Man story. I noticed that as I flipped through it in the store. I mean, I didn't get it, but... I want to like Spider-Man. I want to get back on board, but there just doesn't ever seem to be a good jumping on point. It's all in the middle of huge storylines. Well, I mean, well, I got to disagree with you a little bit, a little bit there. <laughs> this is my first jumping back into Amazing Spider-Man. I, I didn't read big time, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm going to wait for it in trade now. But I thought, I mean, you are right. It is very Venom-centric, but I thought it was a pretty good jumping on point. I'm very interested about reading Spider-Man now, honestly. Well, I, you know, I, I think that's great. I'm, I'm glad you had a positive experience with it, but... I mean, if you if it was advertised to you as, you know, this is the great place to, you know, get familiar with Spider-Man. Yeah, you don't really see that. But I guess my question is, is six in six fifty five is Venom going to be a part of the storyline? Six fifty five. I don't. You know, based on the the preview at the back of the book, they show um, you know, the next four issues, like the covers. I don't think Venom's going to be in the series for a little while. I think you know he's going to offshoot into Venom uh, number one from Rick Remender and Tony Moore, which is a good team um but you know this seemed like like aaron said this was almost like venom number zero more than yeah. it was spider-man 654.1 yeah no venom's no, not venom be part of the, part of the macy's sportman uh storyline story yet and yet it doesn't make a lot of sense did you just say spoiler man maybe this echo's throwing me off i thought i was the only one they caught that Oh, no, I keep hearing myself, and I keep losing my uh, my train of thought there. But yeah, because really, all you get out of this about Spider-Man in this point one is that he's broken up about Marla's death. Yeah, that's about it. No, 
but I got to say the thing that most excited me about this issue, and I loved, I loved the main story with Venom and all that stuff. I, 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 I like everything about that. But the the preview pages for the upcoming storylines, there was there was some interesting stuff in there. Um, well, you know, they don't have to sell me on the upcoming storylines. I'm so on with uh, what Dan Slott's doing here. You know, I, 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 I have loved every single thing he's done since I picked up the, these books. Um, I, 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 they could have done anything on those pages. I mean, don't get me wrong. The pages were cool. I just didn't need the hard sell. Hey, hey Paulie, on those preview pages, who's that making out Hobgoblin? Um, that is What's-Her-Face. Oh, right. The okay. Bugle. The chick from the Daily Bugle? Yes. I just yeah. can't remember her name. I don't remember her name, but... Um, Betty Brandt? I don't read no. the issue. It's just the only person I know from the Daily Bugle that's female. Yeah, so no, I'll she, throw that out there. It, it's it's not Betty Branch. It's the uh, the the lady journalist who's been following the Hobgoblin and Spider-Man stories over there. That so she become uh, she become a, a bigger part of the story since uh, Dan Slott took over. Is she more yes. of a main character? She's kind of been a main character. Uh, you know, she's dating Phil Urich, uh, Ben Urich's son. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, then this other guy. Oh no, wait. She's been dating, not Ben Urich. Not uh, she's been uh, Robbie's son. Yeah, Robbie Robertson's son. I don't remember the guy's name. Um, but Phil Urich is Hobgoblin, and he wants to be with her. And so he's been kind of setting up the you know the situation that since he is the Hobgoblin, he's kind of like setting up so that she can cover the Hobgoblin story so that they could spend more time together. And well, uh, that's that's reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny because it's just like Peter Parker having all these exclusive pictures of Spider-Man. He's like, oh, I have information on the Hobgoblin. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I like it because she's pants. like, <laughs> <laughs> man, I want to see that girl I like again. What what can I blow up today to get her attention? What can I blow up in my pants? <laughs> I mean, I mean that's how that's how Reagan got shot, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is. <laughs> I want Jodie Foster to notice me. I'm gonna go shoot Reagan. Oh wait, that's not funny, is it? That was, that <laughs> I thought it was, but <laughs> Paul and Andrew are both on on a Secret Service watch list now. Yeah, as of immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think if the president's already dead, it doesn't matter if you talk about shooting him. I think it matters. I mean, I, I think mean, that yeah. zombie Ronald Reagan doesn't want to be shot. <laughs> he has a little zombie like- detail. Yeah. You let me know how that works out for you in Guantanamo Bay, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, when, when I'm not here next week, you guys know what happened. Because yeah, Paul's immediately going to turn evidence on you. Yeah. <laughs> I already have. I'm sending it right now. Yeah, say hi to Paul's mom when you're there, though. Ooh. <laughs> so last week I revealed my secret shame, the fact that I read Spider-Girl. And Spider-Girl issue number four came out this week. Andrew decided to pick it up as well. You know, I did. I hadn't read any of the new Spider Girl. Uh, I'd heard you speak about it some, but but once you revealed your secret shame that you were still reading, I thought I should uh, become better informed on exactly what I might be mocking you about. Uh huh. Because uh-huh. that's just the type of guy I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, I look at the cover. First thing I see, it's beautiful, gorgeous cover art. Mm-hmm. But then I open it up. Yeah. <laughs> And this is a new artist. This is not the artist who's been on the book. Okay, I gotta ask, is this better or worse than the old artist? Uh, worse. Oh my god, is it bad? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I sat down to, to read it, and I opened it up, and I went, 
Oh God. Cause I didn't, I didn't crack the cover when I, when I was at the comic shop, I just saw, Oh, okay. You know, and I just wasn't paying attention and brought it home. And I mean, the artwork is not good. Um, and it, it, if you could pick an art style for spider girl, this would be the absolute last type of style you would pick for the, for the story. I mean, I could see this style of artwork working for, you know, a, a noir story, a daredevil story, um, you know, something that's a little bit more grim and gritty, but certainly not a spider girl story. No, it's, uh, it, it takes away from everything that's going on because the story's not bad. No, it's not. And you know, when I sat, when I finally mustered the uh, willpower to read it, because the first page is literally the worst page of the book. Would yeah. you agree, Andrew? Yeah. I mean, the the first page in the comic is just so poorly drawn and so poorly laid out. I mean, there is a uh, you, you've got a, a panel within a panel of a close up of Craven and his daughter. And the the profile of his daughter is so two dimensional. I mean, it, it almost looks like a seventh grader drew it. Well, it, and in that main panel on that first page, I can't even tell that if it weren't for the spear, I wouldn't even know that was Craven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just really very bad. But the when I started reading it, I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the story. Um, yeah. I got a kick out of out of what was going on, and it made me hate the artwork a little less. Still, I think it's the wrong style. I think it's the wrong artist for this book. But it made me hate the the, the, the artwork a little less because I, the, the writing propelled me forward through the story. Um, you know, we are still seeing Spider Girl uh, uh, living in the aftermath of her father's death, and you know, she seems to be adjusting rather well. I'm not sure if I was a, a teenage child and my only parent just died, if I would be handling things as well as she is. But she gets to go out and whoop up on criminals every day, so you know, maybe that's helping her cope. Well, she does mention that in here how it's good psycho, you know, it's good, it's good therapy for her to get out there. She can't really, if she sits around, she starts thinking about everything she's lost. But you know, yeah. she goes out and beats up some random hoods. You know, she she can forget about it for a while. Okay, so uh, that's rem- called, by the way, that's called avoidance. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate your your, your clinical uh, diagnosis there. <laughs> uh, um, so taking the artwork out of it, what? Uh, tell me about the story. Tell me about what your your first impressions of Spider Girl. Well, you know, I, I like Craven. Uh, yeah. I, I'm enjoying Craven's daughter. I like the idea that he's pitting, uh, you know, his daughter against Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the kind of cat and mouse they play throughout. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Anna—that's her name, right? Cra- yes. Craven's daughter. Yeah. yeah. She's tracking. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. She's tracking Spider Girl throughout the day. Of course, Spider Girl tweets. So honestly, not that hard to track Spider Girl. <laughs> Particularly if she's using Foursquare or something. Oh, oh seriously, Spider Girl tweets. Uh huh. Yeah, yep. that's kind of how it's narrated, just through her her tweeting. I am so glad I didn't. Jump I on think board it's actually a, a a neat device. My only complaint about it is that it's not 140 characters. True. <laughs> and 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 and, and, and uh, seriously, uh, if you're if you're trying to stick to that that you know Twitter kind of. Uh, of narrative, I wish that the writer would limit himself to 140 characters. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and honestly, you guys had mentioned a a super villain squad that was does the villain thing where they would have people report where the heroes were so that the villains could find them unexpectedly. Right. She's pretty much doing this for herself already. Exactly. <laughs> Here's where I am. Oh. So, but then the end has a nice little has a nice little twist where uh, uh, Spider Girl somewhat turns the tables on Anna. And uh, which I didn't really see coming. I thought she was going to get. Oh, get same here. I thought it, I thought it was going to end rather poorly for her. But I, I like that that she outsmarted Craven's daughter. 
Yeah. So, no, the story, I like. I like the story, but the art is atrocious. Yes, it is. It is awfully bad. Now, I got to ask you, because this is something I'm struggling with on the character. She doesn't have any superpowers anymore. Right? Uh, You know, this is my first issue, so I'm going to defer to you. Okay, so she has no superpowers. She lost her superpowers back before the series started. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out... They never. What they never show you is how she shoots what passes for webbing for her because she does like these little cable things. Right. And I, and I haven't figured that part out yet, and I've been on since issue four. So what, what I don't understand is <laughs> how this 105-pound girl um, is able to haul herself you know, rooftop to rooftop like Spider-Man does, but you know, doesn't have the spider strength and doesn't have webbing. You know. Yeah, I mean, she even comments on how she's jealous of Peter's webbing. Yeah. So, yeah, so. I had noticed that, but I, I don't have a good answer for it because yeah, it, it, you, it assumes that she swings around the city for hours at a time. Right. And, and normal people, yeah, you can't do that. Well, you know, I chopped firewood last week and I'm still hurting. <laughs> even if she could swing around for hours at a time, she'd then swing into combat and just collapse trying to breathe. Or she yeah, had I mean, giant Popeye arms. <laughs> I mean, if you were an Olympic gymnast, you could do it for a little while and then be really tired. Yeah. If, if you're just a normal person, yeah, you're going to do it for, for two seconds and then collapse. Well, I'm hoping we see some change on the artwork because I, I did get a kick out of the story this week. I just, but wow, the uh, the artwork was just colossally bad. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's gotten worse a little bit because if this is how it looked from issue one, no, that would have been... The artwork in issues one through three was very much that style that that Wayne likes, you know, crisp, clean. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, very very traditional Marvel style artwork. You know, really had that had that house kind of brand to it. This was a big huge change with the uh, I guess it's the Southworth artwork, and boy, it was just just did not fit the story at all. And again, I could see it in something a little bit more noirish, but it just did not suit this story. So speaking of Spider Girls, do you guys want to talk about Spider uh, Supergirl? Sorry, that didn't that didn't flow. Nice try. It was worth that didn't flow the way I like wanted it to. <laughs> oh, do you want to talk about see. Spider uh, Super? Uh, they got girl in common. <laughs> they another both fan, had vaginas. Another, another <laughs> comic that has girl in it was bought this week. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Or, you know, you guys were talking about that Twitter app, you know, that uh, that Spider Girl uses to tell people where she is. Uh-huh. Well, that's um, the the program you were talking about that the villains use to locate superheroes. That's was in Supergirl number 60. Ah, yeah. Ah, so, see. you know, are, are you are you you know, do you need to track down a superhero and and, uh, you know, gang up on him and beat him down? There's an app for that. Wayne, we need <laughs> you to do what you're and all five of us have done it. Let's go. <laughs> And now for someone else Paul would like to bang, Supergirl. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. The quid transition, my eyes just crossed. I like how it went from the worst transition to the best transition. Right <laughs> nice progression. Now, you know, so Paul, possible by you, Andrew. <laughs> Paul and I picked up uh, Supergirl number 60 uh, last time around. And surprisingly enough, we both enjoyed it. So we both tuned in for Supergirl number 61. And, uh, Paul? Yeah, I, um, so last week, the little lead in here, last week I picked up a, uh, well, I, I talked about how 
I put Ultimate Comics, uh, New Ultimates versus Avengers or some shit like that, uh, back on the shelf because it wasn't in my poll. Yes. So this week I get home and you know I'm looking at my poll list and I'm looking at my comics and I'm like, son of a bitch, there's no Supergirl in here. I think it was intentional. I think Supergirl was intentionally left out of my box this week as revenge for last week. It was on my pull list online. Did, did well, you call it, him on it? I, I think he wants your money. I don't think he'd leave anything off. <laughs> no, oh, no. Just, He's all I'm, about the spite. <laughs> yeah. I'm confused that when you checked out, it didn't show up in a big red bar on the on the screen when you didn't yeah. check out with it. It's like, hey, we're Supergirl number sixty one. Clearly, his machine is 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 the the culprit. His machine has it out for me. Well, you know, it's funny when I was uh, buying my comics this week. Um, she's ringing me up, and she's doing this whole, you know, looking at the screen, looking at the books, looking at the screen, looking at the books, and I'm like, oh my god, she's doing what Paul's guy does. You know, she's looking to make sure that I've got everything that was on my pull. And she's like, and she's shuffling through. And I'm like, is there something wrong? Because I didn't put anything back. But I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly getting that feeling like she's she's making sure I've not pulled a Paul. <laughs> and uh, she's like, no, no, everything's fine. I said, because, you know, if I could screw up buying comics, I'm sure that I would. And she goes, no, no, you're fine. <laughs> oh, it's these other books you bought, you know, because I bought a, a few other books uh, that weren't on my pull list. And, and she's like, okay, I've got it figured out. But there was that moment where I was like, you know, I, they're, they're checking. They're making sure I got everything on my pull. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. You know, one of the organists to have any clue, they uh, they don't have a computer by the, you know, by the register. They do have one behind the counter where they print out the pull list. But usually it's wrong. They have three or four different versions of the Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. It's all unorganized. So the people that are pulling it really have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, one of the advantages of shopping at El Camino Comics North is that it is a strictly pen and paper operation. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Andrew. Yeah. No receipts, cash only. They have a little calculator that they use. This is true, actually. <laughs> they do have a calculator that they use. Right, and then they put it in the register. Yep. Nice. I might, nice. St- I might shop at El Camino Tundra or something. <laughs> and by register, he means their back pocket. That's right. <laughs> or there's a shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Supergirl number 61, Paul. All right. Um, so Supergirl number 61. Now, I picked up Supergirl number 60 because it was the first issue from writer Nick Spencer, who does Thunder Agents, Morning Glories, a um, couple of uh, Infinite Vacation, you know, some series that we've kind of found interesting lately. So I picked up Supergirl number 60, and I really enjoyed it. Well, apparently that was his only issue. Because even though the solicits say continuing the new arc by the freshly minted creative team of Nick Spencer and artist Bernard Chang, starting with issue 61, which came out this week, James Peavy is the artist, or is the writer. <laughs> um, so they're not really advertising that, but I noticed that on the first page. I'm like, James Peavy, who the hell is that? Yeah. Um, and I've got to admit, writing style, I didn't notice much of a difference. No, not, nor, nor did I. Yeah, I mean, it continues uh, basically, you know, the same storyline we started in issue 60, which is the, uh, like, I think it's Flyaway or Flyover. Flyover. Flyover, the app that people use to take pictures of superheroes and villains use to, you know, to confront heroes where they are, uh, right. you know, at that very moment. And uh, I got to say, two issues in, I, I, I really am digging this book. It's the Superman um, book you're not getting. I mean, ex- you know, we said that last time around, but it is so the Superman book you're not getting. 
it's uh you know and not only that you know uh, i gotta say unfortunately one thing that uh I got to disagree with Wayne on is that no, I, I wouldn't bang Supergirl because I just don't. I don't think she's drawn attractively <laughs> by uh, artist Bernard Chang. Am I the only one who, who thinks that? I, um, yes, you are. <laughs> I think she's a little thin. She needs a little meat on her bones. You know? you know, I don't think she's drawn sexy. I think is, is what I would say. She just seems drawn young. Is what she seems how she's drawn. So I, you know, That's I don't. That's why likes it. You know, Paul, she she might be drawn thin, but she is super strong. She is solid. She's not going anywhere, man. <laughs> nice. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> pro, pro tip. Damian Wayne guest stars in this issue um, mm-hmm. and, you know, sasses Supergirl and then apologizes for being flippant. Um, I, I really this this book is great. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I am surprised at how much I'm enjoying the book. Yeah. Uh, note to DC: If you throw Damian Wayne on your cover, more than likely I'm going to buy the issue of whatever shit-ass book you're trying to sell. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's why I bought Batgirl. <laughs> it's half the reason I bought Supergirl. Throw Damian Wayne on your cover, I'll buy your shit book. Well, you know, it's, well, you know, it's sh- the the next superhero that's shown as as being attacked in the in the flyover app uh, is Jaime Reyes, uh, the Blue Beetle, and Supergirl is about to head off to go, you know, rescue him. I think she might be a little late since he got a headshot in uh, Justice League Generation Lost last week. Yeah. I'm sure that's I'm just spoiling, spoiling that he's, that not, he's really not really dead. dead. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's just continuity for the win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, Speaking I enjoyed kids, though. Super Phantom X killed one killed last one. issue of X-Force. Yes, he did. So uh, I guess we're back to the child-killing portion of the show. Woo! 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 <laughs> So, yeah, Uncanny X-Force number five uh, came out this week. Was it number five? Yeah. And, um, Wayne, you had expressed some uh, concern as to uh, the Deathlock Nation storyline that started with this issue. So uh, what do you think? I'm kind of conflicted on this issue. There were some good things good about thing. it. I liked Phantom X actually you know, weighing the fact that he killed a kid over in his head. I liked that the other characters were upset. I thought it was stupid that Deadpool was the one that called the meeting and that he was the one that was most upset about having a kid be killed. I also thought it was stupid that he was a character that wasn't cashing checks when it just seems to go against him. They're trying to make him more of a serious character than we've seen him in a long time. It's just, it's, it didn't work in this issue. I've loved Deadpool in the series, but he seemed really out of character, like he was uh, whining and not up to his usual self. Uh, I like some of the Phantom Axe reveals. I'm really confused about the character because I don't know his history. I wasn't reading X-Men when he came out, but yeah, Deathlocks are still stupid. Yeah, you know, it, I got to say, I like Deadpool in this series. But um, the scene, you know, that we're referring to, Deadpool calls a meeting. He says, I'm having a hard time with, you know, the fact that they killed a kid. He says, I have flashbacks. I can't sleep. You know, this isn't what I signed on for. And it's like, you're Deadpool. <laughs> you're, you're a mercenary. Yeah, um, I was cool with the line, yeah, but I never killed a kid. It was everything leading up to that, though. It was too, you know, too heartfelt for Deadpool. Yeah. And I got to admit, I'd be okay with it if all I knew about Deadpool I read from this series. But knowing Deadpool, knowing Deadpool's character from his own series and from other books, it, it, it was very out of character for Deadpool to, to, to do what he did in this book. You know, that he's the moral center of this group, essentially. 
Um, just, you know, <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, it's seriously, that's kind of what they're illustrating here, that Deadpool is the moral center of the X-Force group. That yeah, is if, a evil, evil group. Yeah, <laughs> if anyone in this group should have been calling that meeting, it should have been Worthington. Yeah. He would be the one that would be the whiny bitch, not Deadpool. Yeah, when Deadpool's your center, you guys have gone way too dark. <laughs> you know, other than that, uh, in the book I thought was a little confusing. Um, you know, it, it focuses primarily on Phantom X and this Deathlock Nation and this pocket universe or something like that. Um, but did you find the book confusing at all, Wayne? I, I had a hard time following it. Yeah, I had to read it over again. But I think part of it is just I don't know Phantom X's history. I don't know what this pocket universe is. I don't know who his who that lady was that got killed. I yeah, I think that was a big part of why it was confusing to me is that I just don't know his history. He's still a mystery to me. I, I think I've got to say something that I, I'm I'm going. I, it sounds harsher than I mean it. This issue was very Grant Morrison esque. Did you get that feeling reading it with all these? You know, because Grant Morrison created Phantom X, so some of the ideas that came about in this book seemed like something that Grant Morrison would come up with. Yeah, I definitely i I kind of got that when we we're getting into the the pocket universe and all. I wouldn't yeah. say the whole book was Grant Morrison esque. The uh, the conversations about you know being upset that they killed a kid that didn't really seem like a Grant Morrison thing. And no, the, but the Phantom X stuff primarily, you know, the yeah. the, the universe stuff, the weird stuff. I um, you know, I was super hyped about this book from the first four issue story arc. Um, now I, I mean, this issue was so disappointing to me. I gotta say, I'm gonna give it issue six, and if issue six doesn't clear up some storytelling things for me from issue five, I may actually drop this book. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing, and I hate to do it because it's been a great book, but I, I was nervous about the Deathlock story. It wasn't the Deathlock part of this book that I didn't, that I really disliked. It was the confusing Phantom X history and uncharacteristic Deadpool. Yeah, it, basically the first half of the book kind of sucked. The last half of the book was okay. It's it's I mean it's almost literally that 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 uh, you know that clear cut. But um, you know at a three ninety nine book I, I don't want to buy medi- mediocrity. So um, you know especially mediocrity that doesn't have any backups or. Or you know, uh, co-features or oral histories or anything like that. It's just a three ninety nine regular sized book. So you know, I'm going to give it another issue. Hopefully, it will get better, as good as the the first arc was. But uh, this first issue of the the Deathlock Nation did not impress me. Well, you know, for two ninety nine, Paul, you could have bought the all new beginning to the Silver Surfer. Ah, how was it? Well, I'm going to let Andrew take that one. It, you know, I liked it. It was kind of a slow start, but I love seeing Galactus you know, getting tossed into our sun. It's exciting to find out we have a billion less years left on the clock now. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, that Silver Surfer's a dick. <laughs> well, he, he is. They're definitely playing up at the beginning that he's become more detached from his uh, emotions and humanity, and he's become much more a, a servant of Galactus. Or... Yeah, the, the story kind of picks up right after, I'm guessing, the uh, – um, gosh, the the – War of King, not War of Kings, but uh, Thanos Imperative. Yeah, Thanos, Thanos Imperative, and you know uh, Galactus is all chewed up after having fought back the Cancer Verse. So Silver Surfer, you know, he needs more than a planet to eat for Galactus. So he tosses him into a sun, 
so that uh, you know Galactus can can fully recharge, and it turns out it's our sun, <laughs> and he's taken about a billion years off of it. So thanks a lot, Silver Surfer, you jerk, douchebag. <laughs> But then he decides, you know, you know, he throws Galactus in there. Thinks, ah, I'm gonna go head on down to Earth. Yeah, I'm gonna let him cook for a little while. That's right. <laughs> but you know, did you, I had this sense, you know, because the the War of the Kings happened, or not War of Kings, uh, uh, Thanos and Earth happened clear on the other side of the, of the universe. Why has he got to bring that shit back this way? That's what I don't get. Why has that got to be in my neighborhood? <laughs> You know, it's like when they build the Walmart. Why does that got to be in my neighborhood? That's right. Why can't be on the other side of town? <laughs> but yeah, so then, you know, what are you going to do when you, you know, drop the world eater into the sun? You go to Mexico. That's what you do. That's you right. You come visit beautiful Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe uh, see a drug deal gone bad. Now, it's kind of fun because, you know, Silver Surfer's, you know, coming down over Earth and he gets to see some things that are going on. All at the same time, like, you know, Hulk fighting, I don't know who that is. Is that Zeus that he's fighting? Zeus, yeah. Yeah, Hulk fighting Zeus. You see Spider-Man, you know, on the the shuttle with the scorpion. And, you know, he's flying over, uh, you know, the big free Captain America banner out there over an expressway. And then he just heads down to Mexico to see a drug deal (laughs) combat. You know, spoilers on here, but... I was a little surprised by the ending of this book. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't like that. I didn't I didn't care for that ending at all. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I didn't either. Uh, the ending of the book has uh, uh, the Silver Surfer – the High Evolutionary comes down, smacks the Silver Surfer around a little bit, and apparently takes away his powers. And so you know, uh, the, his powers kind of go away gradually and ends on a big page where all of his silver is sloughing off his body. So there you got just you know pink bald hairless uh, Noran Rod freaking out, you know, and feeling things that he's not previously felt. Um, it, it, and he gets shot like in the chest. Bullets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Bullets well, hurt. <laughs> but the the story was great. I thought the artwork was terrific. I, I don't know about you, Andrew, but when I opened up the book and I saw that very first page, which is uh, done in a very different style, I was concerned. You know, oh, yeah. You mean that, that splash page that just has the title on it? Yes. And I was yeah, like, that, that's not good. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not excited about this. And then you turn and it's a whole different artist, a whole different style and, and, and very, uh, very exciting. I, I thought the, the artwork really did serve the story. And I hope that, that, uh, that Segovia stays on because, wow, good stuff. Yeah, and I can understand them wanting to take his, his powers away because otherwise 90 95% of things on Earth are not going to be a problem for him. But, it's, I, you know, I'm picking up a book to read about the Silver Surfer, so immediately you take everything that makes him the Silver Surfer away is kind of disappointing. Well, and it seems to me, you know, in a first issue, that's not, the, that's not really not the kind of thing you ought to be doing. You know, you need to be showing how, why the Silver Surfer is cool and pit him against foes that, that let him show you that. And you do the takeaway his power story later on. Uh, I'm going to give it some a chance. You know, it's two ninety nine. It's a five issue series. Uh, I'm going to stick with it because I did enjoy it rather a lot. I, I'm not sold on the Norrin Rod without his powers because here's my thing. I don't like Norrin Rod. I like the Silver Surfer. Norrin Rod's kind of an emo whiny yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. that was one of the things that I really liked about the old Ron Lim series was how much uh, uh, it was just Silver Surfer all the time. You know, you really didn't have much Norn Rod in it. And I just, you know, Norn Rod's kind of a tool. And, you know, 
I don't. I'm not interested in him. Yeah, no, I agree. So, anyway, I thought it was a good first issue. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for the second. Woo! I'm not gonna try a transition. You can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Avengers Academy, issue nine. I loved it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, this continued the uh, the storyline with. Uh, the kids, the, the three of the uh, Avengers Academy kids getting expelled, and f- finesse uh, because uh, Hank Pym told everybody to be with their families. Finesse kind of has this stupid look on her face. She's like, "Well, I don't know about that." So she goes and tries to track down the Taskmaster because that's the rumor that she's the daughter of the Taskmaster. And I gotta say, I, I love this book. I uh, in particular enjoyed the cover. That's the cover of Finesse and Taskmaster fighting is really a nice t- cover. I have to say the Taskmaster stuff kind of tainted the issue for me because I don't like that what they've done with him. You know, I really like the character of Taskmaster. I don't like the, his, you know, forgetting things. Right. When he's having that whole conversation with her about, I probably won't even remember this conversation next week. It it's like that character is tainted now. It's just not as interesting a character. He was a really cool character until these recent developments to him. You know, I I, I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you, but I did like how it tied that element as revealed in the Taskmaster miniseries into this. I thought it was a nice touch, particularly when he said, you know, I was hoping that if I fought you, I would remember you because he remembers fighting moves. But then his concern was... You know, but all your moves are other people's moves. You know, that's not going to stick with me. Yeah, I like the way they dealt with it in here. It's just that that character is tainted for me now. I I enjoyed the issue overall. It's just that that still bugs me. Yeah, I think he was a much better character before. Um, I enjoyed the art in the book, but I don't care for the way this artist is drawing Tigra. He doesn't seem to have her acting down very well. You know, I'm I'm not feeling. You know some of her outrage and disgust as as uh, vividly as I'm feeling some of the other things from the other characters. Like I think he does a beautiful job job drawing uh, finesse and hazmat and veil, and I'm really getting a lot from from those characters uh, in the way he draws their emotional responses. But I'm just not really getting it from Tigra. At this point, I was actually hoping that she was going to leave the book until that last page where she's watching the video of them beating up the hood yeah. with no expression on her face whatsoever. Yeah. She's just sitting in the dark, no expression, just watching it. Yeah. That yeah. Kind you of, know, they, they try and paint for you uh, in the pages preceding that she's, you know, she's overcome all of that. She's rather noble about it. You know, Speedball even says how much he admires her. And then she goes and sits back in her room and just watches the video over and over of them torturing the hood. So, you know, Tiger's a little bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And maybe it was just that the artist didn't do, you know, didn't show the emotion on her face. I like that there isn't emotion on her face. Well, and I on like that, that, we don't see her smiling. We don't see her frowning. It's a blank look as she just watches this. Well, and on that page, I think it works very well. But if you'll flip back to the very first page of the book, you know, you've got Tigra lecturing the three. Uh, uh, you've got Tigra lecturing the 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 you know, academy students, and she's looking straight at the reader, you know, 
And, you know, she's got kind of that, that idiotic pointy teeth thing that don't really quite fit in her mouth. And I just, I, I just bugs the shit out of me. It almost reminds me of Beast Boy. I think even worse than that is the second page where she's telling them that they're done, but her facial expression doesn't even really look upset. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, for whatever reason on this one character, he just, the artist just really doesn't, isn't uh, capturing the emotion. You know what I like? I like how the, the fact that the furry in the bikini is you're worried about her facial expression. That's just, that's awesome. <laughs> now, I do love when – She's you a know, face? I, I do love that when she decides that she's going to leave the academy, you know, she's going to quit her job. You know, uh, Quicksilver is like, hmm, well, if you really are leaving, let me know because I understand you've got a bigger bathroom than me and I'd like it. Unless, of course, it's choked with fur balls. <laughs> I got a kick out of just how vindictive the two of them were as they were talking. Yeah. And also how Tiger overall was just calling people out in this issue. Oh yeah. You know, where she basically is accusing Justice of having a you know, an inappropriate relationship with one of the kids. Yeah. With Vale. Yeah. I I Avengers Academy sure is good. And you know, my 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 criticisms about it are rather minor. Um Finesse is rapidly emerging as my favorite character in the book. My favorite panel of the entire book was when Finesse was fighting, you know, Taskmaster. And he's giving the speech about, you know, you should go watch old videos of Captain America because he had more of an edge. And you see he flings the shield as a as a way to draw her in and kick her in the face. Yeah. And that the art is beautiful on that. It's vicious. It's you know, no. both characters come you know completely in character so many times i find fight scenes boring in a book when they go on page after page and the artist really uh, and i keep saying the artist but uh um, mccone uh mike mccone is the penciler on this book um he it's like ballet i mean it's all very well choreographed lots of energy page to page i mean this uh, taskmaster fight scene goes on for several pages and at not one point was i bored during that fight scene and I usually get bored in multi-page fight scenes because generally it's just a bunch of you know swinging stuff around. There, there doesn't seem to be a point to it. But the fight is so well linked to the pacing of the story. And I like oh, and that. The, 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 normally I complain about whole conversations while fighting. Uh-huh. But with these two characters, it works. Yeah. Because they're just mimicking what they've seen. They're not actually thinking about it. Yeah. No, and, the, the, and you're absolutely right. The choreography in those fights was awesome and the dialogue was just great. Yeah. When ta- when you're right, when Wayne, when Taskmaster kicks her in the face, I'm like, oh, it's on. And then when she finally kicks him back and says, I don't need your damn newsreels, that scene is like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> just great. Well, and he, and he ends the fight with, okay, that's enough. It's all fun and games till someone loses an eye. <laughs> <laughs> True father daughter bonding. That's right. Damn cape. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. It's a good book. I, you know, I, I'm so glad you guys turned me on to this one because uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Unlike Green Lantern, it's so, not like I disliked Green Lantern. I just, I don't know why I'm reading it anymore. There's just, I'm so apathetic about it. Yeah. All right. So I, I uh, originally we were not going to talk about Green Lantern this week because a lot of times recently all we've really cared to basically, (laughs) you know, but lately what we've been saying about Green Lantern has pretty much been the same. I think I'm burned out on it. I don't think there's anything left there for me, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And I think I realized what the crux of my issue with Green Lantern is. It's Green Lantern core and it's Emerald Warriors. I, 
really enjoyed Green Lantern 62 this week, which is the last story before the prelude to the War of the Green Lanterns or whatever. This is the final part of the the new Guardian storyline, and uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. The art has been almost you know beautiful in every issue of Green Lantern, but Green Lantern Corn, Green Lantern Emerald Warriors, for me at least, I think they're tainting my enjoyment of the Green Lantern universe in general. Not that Green Lantern Corps was is a crappy book because I mean this issue wasn't that good, but in general it's not horrible. You know, Green Lantern Emerald Warriors isn't horrible either. There is a whole quotable, you know, string of comments that you're providing, you know, it's not totally horrible. <laughs> Sounds like you're equivocating a bit there, Paul. Uh, just a bit. But um you know, I, I guess I don't hate those books, but I think that I I think they're just overloading the Green Lantern for me, and I think without them, I would enjoy Green Lantern Central title a lot more. And maybe that's just you know I, I think that's maybe why I'm so burned out on Green Lantern. I think maybe if I drop Green Lantern Core and Green Lantern Emerald Warriors, because thus far, what have we been saying? I feel like I have to read all three to enjoy them. But in theory, honestly, they at least this first storyline, they really have stood separately from each other. Yeah, they'll probably cross over in War of the Green Lanterns, but in general, they you know, Tim's enjoying Emerald Warriors without having to read the other books. I think I'm gonna drop Green Lantern Corps and Green Lantern Emerald Warriors and just read Green Lantern. And I think that might increase my enjoyment. And if it doesn't, then I'll drop that one too and you know, I'll be fine and I'll just pick that shit up and trade. But I just you know, I, I think maybe I'm just Green Lantern burned out. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and I'm certainly right there with you. I I finally got around to reading Green Lantern Emerald Warriors so that I could read my other two Green Lantern books this week. And, you know, I did not enjoy uh, Emerald Warriors number seven. I did not enjoy Green Lantern Corps 57. And I really didn't enjoy Green Lantern 62. And I just think it's because <clears throat> it's really too much Green Lantern. I... I, I I'm really on the fence as to whether I'm going to be in for uh, uh, the Green Lantern War. I'm thinking about just getting out altogether. Uh, I'm debating it. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm going to have a hard time getting into the War of the Green Lanterns. It's I don't know. In in Green, you're talking about Green Lantern '62. You know, at the end, Hal's talking with Superman and the rest of uh, Batman and Flash. When Superman offers to help out, who says no to him? Yeah. I mean, seriously, why would you not want to bring along one of the most powerful people in the universe to help out? Yeah. Because he's an emo douchebag? Well, maybe not in this comic. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, maybe he's reading the Superman comic right now, because if he is, yeah, deadbeat husband, you don't want, to, want him around. Gives yeah, you a bad well, name. I mean, but they're talking in the Green Lantern. They're up on the, the, the watchtower, aren't they? Yes, they are. Well, how did Superman get there? Did he fly? <laughs> well, not only that, how did Batman get in his old costume? <laughs> Why is Bruce Wayne wearing Dick Grayson's costume? Um, Good point. Yeah, that, I, I didn't question that scene too much because of, because of that. But, you know, Superman obviously just doesn't want to go home. Anything other than going home to, to that Lois. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like, then also, come on, I'll help you I mean, save the world. Just don't make me go home. If you look at the bottom of that page, Hal Jordan's face is jacked up. He's got stitches, he's got some butterflies, he's got bruising all over his face. But then on the exact next page, completely healed. <laughs> Not a touch on him. The butterflies magically disappear off his forehead. 
Wow. I, Am I, I the only one who noticed that? The Thor. I thought the the Thor uh, facial hair that Paul complained about would have been bad, but that no. that's worse. I, I think it was intentional that the Green Lantern ring heat him or something. Yeah. yeah. D- does it do that? No, apparently, it did it on that page. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I've been reading I've been reading Green Lantern since I don't know around uh, the the Sinestro Corps War. I've never seen them use the rings to heal each other. You know, you can't apply logic to this. <laughs> well, in the real quick, I'm gonna, with the power of plot. <laughs> I'm going to throw out one more piece of logic that, that makes probably no sense. But even if the ring healed him, the bandages would not have magically disappeared off his face. You don't know. <laughs> hey, it had to disintegrate those bandages to make the new skin. <laughs> anyway. Aaron, he's making another newbie mistake. You don't bring logic into a comic book discussion. Yeah, come on, Andrew. Yeah, Get with the program. Pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> well, you know, because I was hoping Superman would go with them and maybe see a good Superman story. Yeah. Maybe see know. maybe see Superman being cool and not, not some deadbeat uh, bum. Yeah. Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. Give that maybe another six months. You'll see a good Superman story. Maybe. Well, just All read right. Supergirl. Yeah, there you go. Or... <laughs> You can read Thunderbolts and read about that one Superman-type character whose name I forget right now. Hyperion! Hyperion. So, uh, Thunderbolts issue 153 came out this week. Well, <laughs> I I was I might have been reading my tweets when Paul was, Paul was tweeting today, and he mentioned that he didn't want any more Thunderbolts. And I'm like, I don't understand that at all, because this was a really good issue. Yeah, I had to challenge him on that as well, because uh, you know, Paul is whack. Uh, this was terrific. I, I love this issue to beginning from beginning to end. Absolutely. Okay. What's up with that, Paul? I I, I will explain my point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I am enjoying Thunderbolts. I am. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. Now that I've dropped Green Lantern Core and Green Lantern Emerald Warriors, just happened um, <laughs> <laughs> off of my pull list. Maybe I'll add Thunderbolts back on. Because I enjoy Thunderbolts. You I know, have no qualms with Thunderbolts. I just I you know I figured. Rather than talk about Thunderbolts issue after issue, I would keep reading something new. Um, use the money to, 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 to venture out, you know, out of my uh, my comfort zone and, and try something new out. Thunderbolts doesn't need your pity, Paul. Thunderbolts <laughs> is plenty awesome without you, so you can take your two ninety nine and shove it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the last time somebody did something, something so, so. Uh, outside the norm and wild and crazy it was when Andrew was getting hit on by hermaphrodite. So just keep that in mind when you're being all, I'm going to try experimental stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, while, I'm was... while I'm reading, Juggernaut <laughs> kicks some serious ass in the pages of Thunderbolts, Paul. So there you go. Well, before we go back to Thunderbolts, Andrew, did, did yes. you uh, run into your uh, hermaphrodite again today, this week? <laughs> Yeah, you know, so uh, I went down to my comic book store on Wednesday, and I actually loitered for longer than usual, seeing if if he she would show up, so I could because uh, it was very warm here. It was sixty seventy degrees, so I knew that whatever they he she was going to be wearing, I'd be able to tell, tell what she was. What she was, but she did not. But show she did up. not show up, or he did not or show up. <laughs> uh, so next week, yeah. yeah, next and week, next week, he, she watch. He, she watch Week two. I can't wait. <laughs> if he/she would just wear a costume like Moonstone, you would. 
Obviously, no. That's right. That's right. Obviously. So, part of the costume. <laughs> so, yeah. Thunderbolts 154. Um, I, I loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really did like it. I, I just, you know. I, I thought about dropping the title because I wanted to try some new stuff. And it seemed like a good jumping off point uh, because it was the end of this uh, giant monster storyline. I, I, I think you're weak. That's what I think. I think you're, that he was sad that Ghost got to kiss a girl before he did. That's, <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, Ghost does get to resuscitate Songbird and Moonstone, both of whom... Uh, you know, <laughs> resp- you know, I was almost like, couldn't you have just left You're me just- dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like it was a ghost birthday, and he, he was so happy. <laughs> it's like I wish they drowned every every day. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I and- love the pages with uh, Hyperion and Juggernaut fighting. Yeah, I mean, just even when when Juggernaut's taken a beating, but when he turns around and gives the beating back to Hyperion, and you know, Ghost does the little trigger collar on him, um, I thought that was great. And there's that wonderful scene, you know, because Hyperion has betrayed all these guys on the team, and so you know, and uh, seriously, why do you keep putting the guy on a team? He betrays every team he's ever on. <laughs> this well, is very true. Well, they were trying to rehabilitate him. <clears throat> yeah, he's not going to be on another team. That's right. So, you know, Ghost activates the little nanites that are inside Hyperion finally, and Hyperion's, you know, writhing around on the ground going, it hurts, it hurts. And then there's that great scene where Juggernaut, Ghost, and Moonstone just kind of hover over him like the beating's about to begin. And the next time you see Hyperion, I mean, he is just pounded like cube steak. I mean, he is just missing teeth, broken fingers. It's awesome. I love it. And then the last one to, to get his licks in is, uh, you know, the man thing shows up and they says, you know, you shouldn't show fear, Hyperion, because whoever shows fear burns at the touch of the man thing. And then the last thing he sees is the hand coming down at him and the panel ends with a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the other thing that I liked was, you know, Moonstone was being her usual. I'm out for myself. Crap. And ghost is like, yeah, but you know the the the, the Hyperion guy is is killing uh, Marco, right? And he's but he's one of us. And you see you see Moonstone like stop. Yeah. And then the next scene, you see her come back and help help Juggernaut. I thought that was a cool scene. Yeah, yeah. It actually shows some character growth. I love it. I just I thought this was an awesome book. And again, also a very nice cover. I like the cover to the book. Has the the you know the heroes or the thunderbolts jumping into the mouth of one of the monsters? Uh, love it, love it. Good stuff. Well, you know what cover I liked? I liked my Dungeons and Dragons cover number four. Some hot tiefling jerking action is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this book was fantastic. I've still stuck I've still a tip calling it jerking, jerking action. action. Do See, we I was trying. See? I was trying to pass over that. It, well, there's no G. It, it's 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 a piece of clothing. It's not the action I was doing when I was looking at the cover. Oh. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have said. That, I thought that was a good save. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Buy your Tim action figure with jerking action. <laughs> In kung fu grip. Yep. Oh. Simultaneously. Um. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons number four. 
uh, came out, and uh, you know I've been uh, I've been praising this title, and I think I suckered Tim in with the last issue. And um, Andrew, Happily. have you been picking it up from the very beginning, or did you just uh, pick it up with this issue? So I picked up the zero issue, did not like it, did not pick up the first couple issues, and then jumped in because uh, I heard great things that various people, such as yourselves, were saying about it, and and it is it is fantastic. It's nothing like the zero issue, which was horrible. Yeah, so it's, it, it's it, you know, and you know, action, and the action. Same as in the zero issue as far as dungeons and dragons action fantasy ass kicking it's it's the dialogue that makes this make awesome awesome yeah it's a caper it's basically it's a caper story you know and you this could be a modern day criminal group with all of their different specialties and they are hysterical i mean just if nothing else brie the thief in the beginning panels when she's figuring out that trap and the thought processes that they're showing you going on inside her head is worth the book by itself you know one thing I like about Dungeons and Dragons, you know, most books they save like the last page is like some big cliffhanger ending. You know, it's like they got, I've got to keep them coming back for the next issue. Got to show like this huge cliffhanger. You know, the hero's about to die, or the hero. You know, the things look like they're in dire straits. What cracks me up about Dungeons and Dragons is that each episode ends with a one-liner, <laughs> rather than ending with like this big crazy cliffhanger. There's like a little cliffhanger. And then there's like a one-liner that leaves you laughing when you close the book with every issue. And it's, I think it's just that type of storytelling that's really sold me on this book. I mean, it's genuinely funny. And there is that focus on the dialogue and the banter more than, you know, that, that fits in well with the action. Yeah, and, and the Flaming Skull this week or this month, that Flaming Skull was, was fantastic. I mean, yeah. I kept thinking of Bob from The Resin Files, but, but I mean – because you keep saying all these spooky, ominous things to the group all the way as they're, they're creeping through this dungeon about how they're interlopers and things are dangerous and they're going to die. And when they get down and finally meet them, they're like, you've been calling us interlopers. He's like, well, well, yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the characters can speak dwarven, explains to him that interlopers means, you know, intruders. He's like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. I mean, guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, visitor, visitor. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry. I only knew I only knew dwarf when they made me into a flaming skull. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then he was just... a poet. That before he was a paladin, he was a poet. Oh yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love that he, you know he he tells this one poem. Uh, oh yeah, she says, "Give me another one." And you know the dwarf, uh, you know he, he's reading his poetry to her, and he says, "Is our love worth disobeying our clan?" No, and that's the whole poem. And he's like, she says, I don't get it. He's like, they don't disobey because they're dwarves, but they consider it for love. There were riots when I read that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, this badass dwarf character, you know, apparent, uh, basically he tells his his origin is that he was a poet. And, you know, uh, I, I guess the poetry didn't work. So that's well, why he, he ventured a, out in the world. He was in love with a girl. Yeah, but the the girl's family uh, wanted nothing to do with him because he was a no for no good for nothing poet, and so he figured he'd go out to be a paladin. If he was successful, he'd come back with the blessings of their god, and the family couldn't turn away. Then, yeah, I mean, it's just not the usual stuff, you know. I mean, I, it's it's oh, overall, overall, it was, a, it was a really good read, solid book, great art, and you know, I I would recommend it. This was my yeah. favorite this week for sure. The, the same here. This was the best book I read this week. And although one thing I'd point out is that uh, kind of going along with what you guys talked about the infestation is that if you look at the last few things, a Stargate appears in this book as well. 
<laughs> there, there is a Stargate. It, even though it doesn't look exact. Uh, no, it does. No, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it straight up is. There's even a ramp leading up to it, for God's sake. They erased the chevrons but put glowing dots. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an Atlantis Stargate. Oh, <laughs> uh, good times. Thanks, Jake. He's ruining every gate I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, book book a week, hands down. Well, Aaron has not given Dungeons and Dragons a try yet, but Ooh. somehow he had enough money. To pick up Hulk number 30 this week. Well, actually, I picked up Hulk number 29 and 30. What? Well, you know, I was listening to <clears throat> a Jeff Parker interview. And, you know, we've interviewed Jeff Parker on the show and twice and only re- was able to release one of those episodes. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, Jeff is so passionate about the stories that he tells and that comes across in his interviews. And so he was talking about his Red Hulk stories. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pick that up. That sounds pretty good. You know, I've not previously enjoyed Red Hulk, but uh, I'll pick that up. And wow, I didn't enjoy these at all. (laughs) Um, As much as I really dig Jeff Parker and most everything that he does, I just hate the Red Hulk character is my problem. Um, I don't like General Ross. I don't like him as as a Hulk. I don't – it's just the, the whole thing just rubs me wrong. The issue 29 was them fighting a bunch of monsters, and when I say them, it was him and Hulk and A-Bomb. In fact, I didn't even get all the way through issue 30 because I just I was just not enjoying it. And it's not that it's badly written. It's that I just don't enjoy Red Hulk at all. And uh, so I won't be picking up any more. But you know, I gave it a shot because of how much I like Jeff Parker and how much I enjoyed his interview. And the story that he talks about – you know, in the interview, the the characters that he talks about just aren't connecting with me in the actual comic. So, I'm very sad to say that. But yeah, wow, sure don't like the Red Hulk. Oh, that's a shame because you know Jeff Parker writes Thunderbolts, which you enjoy immensely. Yeah, I love Thunderbolts. I love Thunderbolts, and you know, I, I mean, you know, I pretty enjoy whatever enjoy whatever does, just not this. Not... Hmm. Well, sorry to hear that. I was very curious to see what you thought of it. Yeah, hate it. <laughs> Good no. writing. I'm not faulting the writing. It's just a character that just doesn't connect with me. Hmm. How was the art? Because I know Ed McGinnis was on art with issue 30. Yeah, and boy, I don't like Ed McGinnis art either. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> so uh, it was but, not bad enough. I was with but you. I did kind of like the uh, Hardman art in issue 29, you know, and it was very monstery, you know, appropriate to the the you know type of genre story they were telling with you know being on this monster island and you know doing that kind of stuff, but. You know, the Gabriel Hardman artwork was really well suited to that story. If it hadn't have been a Red Hulk story, I probably would have really dug it. So, so, so now though, you can take those bones you you spent on uh, a Hulk and, and use those to buy Dungeons and Dragons number five, right? No, no, I'm not going to do that. Do it, <laughs> thank you. Though. Do it, no. do it. It's never going to happen, my friend. <laughs> do it. As God is my witness, go ahead. I will not buy Dungeons and Dragons. Unless, of course, Catman guest stars. Oh, he's in, the next he's in issue five. Oh, okay, I'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he's been in every issue since number one. You oh, I'll, go pick up, I'll, I'll go pick but up. Not the zero. He wasn't in the zero. No, no, he wasn't. That's why the zero sucked. No Catman. <laughs> okay. They're going to cross over with Jamie and Wayne just so uh, Paul will buy it too. Yeah. Well, you know, Paul talking about this Damian Wayne thing, this is a huge change from, from what you guys thought about Damian Wayne two years ago. 
I still hate the character. I'm consistent. Okay, you're consistent. Yeah. But uh, Tim and I are, are I still Damian Wayne fans. And I still I'm, hate I'm, I'm in the fan club. I have a button. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy all characters that are pricks. So, we're good. <laughs> there you go. That's why we get along so well. That's right. <laughs> now, we have an advanced review for you this, uh, this week. Um, the final books of the show we're going to talk about are fly uh, numbers one two and three we're just gonna you know we're not gonna go into issue by issue detail um but these come out in june june from xenoscope comics but you can pre-order them through your comic shop now and uh right we're giving you a glimpse into the future yes future wayne and future paul read fly number one through three (laughs) and um so you know, uh, Fly is, uh, like I said, from Xenoscope Entertainment. It's written by Raven Gregory. And uh, long story short, uh, I don't want to go into too much spoiler territory since the book doesn't come out for another four months. Um, it tells the story of uh, basically a, a character whose friends um, basically turns him onto a drug that allows them to fly, that gives them the power of flight. So, you know, I, you know it's, and obviously uh, things go horribly, horribly wrong. Um, but what'd you think of the book, Wayne, or, you know, what we've read so far? This book is absolutely incredible. The art is good. The story is great. It very much reminds me of, um, my super ex-girlfriend, which I love that movie there. Uh, I won't get into any details for spoilers, but there is a scene in the second book that is just chilling. And it's all told through the artwork as you realize what just happened. It, it just uh, in- handled incredibly well. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of you know I know we're comparing it to other things, but it, it's a little bit of there's a little bit of kick ass in there, um, you know. Except you know it has a little bit of the super powered stuff, obviously, which kick ass didn't. Uh, but uh, it's it's really well done, and like you said, the art was fantastic. Now in the preview copies we got, uh, again the book doesn't come out for another couple of months, but uh, in the preview editions we got only the first half of the first issue was colored. Um, and I got to say, the coloring added a lot to the story, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it all in color. But it, it, I have to say, I really got an appreciation for just what color adds to a comic, seeing the, the color and non-color versions. I think there was somewhere else in the book where it goes from black and white, and then they had a color page ready again. And it uh, it looks good in black and white. I didn't take away from the story at all, but when they add the color, it's just so much more. I can't wait to actually get the finished product on this. Yeah. So, um, you know, solicits uh, for June come out next month. So if you uh, if you pre-order your comics through your comic shop, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they don't yell at you for putting them back on the shelf uh, should you not like them. You know, I would I would recommend, you know, pre-ordering it because a lot of comic shops don't necessarily get the Xenoscope stuff, um, you know, outside of maybe grim fairy tales or anything like that. But it, it's definitely worth picking up. You know, give the first issue a shot. If you're if you like things like kick ass or anything like that, it's that type of storytelling, like a real world, real world storytelling. Um, yeah. And we may be comparing it to some things, but it really there is some originalness to this story. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed what I read. Um, I don't know how long the series is. I, I think it's still a miniseries, and we've only read the first three, uh, but it's definitely off to a good start. So that's our advanced review of Shit from the Future. Shit from the Future is incredible, which the is actually – this was a good cap for the week to me because out of all the books I read, there weren't a lot that I enjoyed. I mean, it was not a good week for my pull list. 
So it was nice to have this this little surprise of a book from the future that was the best book I read this week. I mean, see, and that's why sometimes, like I said with Thunderbolts, sometimes I just feel like I have to save my three or four bucks and venture outside of venture outside of my comfort zone to try something new. Outside of your timeline. Much? Yeah. Well What'd you say Hulk. to? Except for Hulk, Supergirl, Spider Girl. (laughs) No, but I think next week I'm going to buy Savage Dragon because it's a a jumping on point. (laughs) I like Savage Dragon. I used to like Savage Dragon. I hope you don't like the character because they're killing him. Again, well, he died in the last issue. Spoiler. Yeah, spoilers (laughs) on. He died. (laughs) So the the next issue is when his son takes over the title. So I'm I'm going to give it a shot. You know, it seems like it might be a good jumping on point. So there's there's a Savage, Savage Dragon Jr. Yep. Yeah, like James Bond it. Jr. He's got a son, he's got a daughter. <laughs> they finally at one point revealed his his actual origin, and that's kind of when the character... It lost some of its interest to me. I am curious about the son taking over. I don't like the Savage Dragon's origin, though. Yeah, well, you know, uh, th- I'm, I'm going to try that out. Who is Jake Ellis? Issue 2 comes out. Who is Jake Ekus? nice so i don't i I am all for trying new things uh you could try morning glories paul the trade came out really good Ooh, it did come out yeah the first trade came out i'm gonna have to pick that up that's something that i've been interested in 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 checking out so yeah i might have to take a look at that too yeah we'll see fucking wayne go on paul do it (laughs) i dare you I will do it if Aaron buys Dungeons and Dragons number five. Never gonna happen, my friend. <laughs> but but Catman's in it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm getting it. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I'll get it. No, yeah. <laughs> Done. And Damian Wayne's in Morning Glories. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, good show, and uh, look forward to chatting with you guys again next week. I look forward to chatting with most of you again next week. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. Tune in next week guys, to see who got the axe. Yeah, I, I smell sausage in the kitchen, so screw you guys. I have pancakes and sausage waiting for me. Let's yeah. end this thing. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> have a good week. See you next week. Out. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.